0: Have you guys ever been recipients of, of someone's just over-the-top, extravagant love? You ever had a, a moment in your life where you received something from someone that you didn't deserve, that you didn't earn? I was thinking about this in my life, uh, having a conversation with my brother-in-law a couple years ago. This is an amazing guy. He, uh, his grandfather passed away a long time ago. His grandmother just recently passed away. And his grandmother left him her house and here's the crazy thing he has an older sister he has parents that are still living and the grandmother gave the house to him and I'm like what is up with that he's like literally I'm the favorite I'm like clearly you're the favorite you <laughs> you, you got a house given to you like that's amazing I'm hoping to get a chair for my grandmother and her you know when she passed. and anyways um And I just realized like, wow, what an amazing blessing. So uh, a couple years uh, go by, his older sister gets married and her and her husband do not have a place to live. I don't know if money, I don't know the situation. Um, But he literally gives her the house. Takes her the keys and and hands over the house to her. And so I'm talking to him and I'm like, so when are you getting the house back? Like, you know, how's that situation? You charging them like double? Like, how, how are you benefiting? He's like, no, I just, they needed a house and I gave it to them. Man, I wish I was in your family. Like, (laughs) this extravagant gift. I think about me when I was in college. Maybe you don't connect with that story. Um, I remember when I was in college, I I felt very called to ministry. I, I felt like God was just putting it on my heart to give the rest of my life to preaching the good news and caring for people. And so I remember I went to this school and did not have the money to go to the school that I went to. It was expensive to learn to be trained to do ministry. And so I remember sitting in a situation kind of like this at our school. We did this five days a week where you'd gather and worship and pray. And I remember just being overwhelmed with this sense of, I'm about to leave school and have all this debt. And I just I had this paralyzing feeling. I remember just praying. I felt like God was just saying, hey, just just bring this to me. Just pray. And Okay, God, help me not to be anxious. Help me to give this to you. Went to class that day, went to lunch. You know, nothing extravagant happened. I kind of had this moment. I felt like I was supposed to go check my mail. And if you remember those days in college, if you're in college, like getting mail, at least in my time, you know, is amazing. It's like a highlight. If someone gave you a handwritten letter, I remember going go in my mailbox and I opened it up and there was this letter from this handwriting that I did not recognize and I open it up and it says, you have been given a $3,500 scholarship. And I looked at the name. I'm like, I don't even know. I've never met these people before. Just out of the blue, just this extravagant, undeserved gift. Yet the reality is, man, we think about your life, and I think about mine, how often we receive these gifts, and yet we just forget about. I can't even remember the name of the people that gave me the scholarship. Isn't that terrible? And this is just our, our tendency that, that we forget that they have this ability to fall out of our memories. This morning, we're going to be looking at this man named Jesus. And, and this morning, we're just going to spend our time looking at one verse in the Bible. And this is a verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. You can underline it in your Bible. You can underline it in our Bible. You can listen to these words. It says that God made him who had no sin. Him is Jesus. God made Jesus who had no sin. To be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I want to just say this. You know, if you've, if you've ever read the Bible, if you've ever heard people talk about the Bible, the reality is that, that there are some very difficult things to read. That you will encounter things that God says and does. And honestly, you're just going to go through times where you just question, is God good? It's not going to make sense to you. Some of us come into this place this morning and we're sitting on these uncomfortable brown chairs and the reality is that you have never given Jesus a chance because you read something in the Bible one time or you heard someone like me one time speak something and you could not make sense of the Bible or you didn't like it. And so you just kind of said this, maybe not out loud, but you said it in your heart. Man, if, if you are this way, God, I want nothing to do with you. And we got a glimpse of God in the glimpse that we saw we didn't like. Think about this in my own life that uh, I remember when I was in college and Lost was really big. Any of you guys Lost people, the TV shows? And I remember watching it over my buddy Lance's house. I think Crockett was probably into this. Jason was probably into this. I remember uh, sitting uh, over there one Wednesday night. They would gather, and and I saw this episode. And I just thought it was the dumbest show ever. Like the episode I saw was the stupidest episode of Lost. I'm convinced. And 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 I remember just thinking they were idiots for giving so much of their time, like watching Lost. And and it's because I saw one glimpse of it a couple years ago. Court and I decided to give it a try. And I started to realize that when I actually gave it a chance, I could see what they saw on the show. Like I just had one small glimpse that my mind was just opened up to this greater show. And some of you, the, the only picture you've ever been given in Scripture is this picture of this vengeful, angry God. And you've never really allowed your heart to be open to, to the full story, the full picture of God. Some of you come here this morning, and I can't tell you how thankful I am that you're here, that, um, that you have been hurt by Christians, by church people, that they have said something, they have done something to you, we have said something, we have done something to you, and it has just so pushed you from God. And in your mind, we are representatives of Jesus, and if Jesus is anything like us, you don't want anything to do with that Jesus. And, and some of you have not been able to see Jesus because of us. And just hear this from me, I'm so sorry, from the the global church, I'm sorry. I'm so thankful you're here. Some come here this morning, and, and I just want to acknowledge that we come in this place, and we have big questions of injustice and unfairness and pain, the things that have gone on in Brussels this week. And many of us, we can't seem to give God an open place in our lives because we look at our world and we go, either God is powerful or he is good, but there's no way that He is either one. There's no way that he's both, I mean. And the reason I mention these things is because I want to suggest is, is that what we learn in this one verse in the Bible about God, I think it has to be included in our questioning. That what we learn here about Jesus, it has to be included in our trying to make sense of this world of our God if we are really serious about wanting to know if there is a God. We have to let verses like this into our minds and in our hearts the same way that we do when we encounter a story or a cultural event that lead us to make decisions about God. I invite you to look with me at this one verse. That God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the Bible tells us he, he lived a, a perfect life. It tells us that he never sinned. He never experienced separation from God. He never had a reason to hide from God. He never felt shame. He never experienced a feeling of seeing someone out in public at a show or at a restaurant or at a party that, that you had hurt by your words or your actions. And you lock eyes with that person that you've hurt and the remorse and the shame that flows into your heart when you see someone that you have hurt. And Jesus never experienced any of this. Hebrews chapter four says that he spent his entire life and he never once sinned. For 33 years, his life was marked with self-control, with kindness and holiness. He had an untainted relationship with the father. And this verse in the Bible tells us that this perfect life, this perfect connection, this relationship that he had with the Father, he took that reward, he took that status, he took that relationship, and he gave it to us. And he gave that to us because he was willing to take our punishment for our sin, for our injustice. My gut is that we don't like to hear that, we don't like to talk about um, us being people who sin, us being people who perpetuate injustice in our world the reality is that, that most of us come into this place and we don't think that we deserve a punishment. We think that we're, just, we're good people. We're nice to our coworkers. We're, 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 we tip well when we go to a restaurant. We give our hard-earned money to good causes like St. Jude, you know, you, you're running the half marathon and you give 100 bucks to your friend to support those children and great stuff. We text $10 to the Red Cross. Every time a natural disaster hits, we even volunteer and give blood. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us, we look at us and we go, man, we're we're good people. What hit me this week is that when we see injustices around the world, we cry out, we want justice for the oppressors. Yet the the hard pill to swallow is that we fail to see that our own acts of injustice have hurt other people, have hurt God. You know, the unfortunate thing is that we don't get to set the bar for what the moral code is in this world. Do you realize that when when we lust, we are taking from someone what is not ours? When we gossip, we are wounding people. When we are racist. When we are sexist. When we fail to acknowledge the humanity and the dignity that people deserve just from being human beings when we treat people as lesser because of their education level or their occupation level or where they live, this is injustice, this is sin. And God, the the God who reigns, the God who is, because he is a God of holiness and perfect justice, he does not allow it to go unpunished. And we don't really want a God that allows sin, that allows justice or injustice to keep being perpetuated. Like deep down, we really don't want that. It says in the Bible that that, that the wages of sin or that, that the punishment for sin is death. That the punishment for injustice is death. This is the moral code, whether we like it or not, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. This is the absolute truth. And yet here's what's so beautiful. Jesus takes our place. Jesus takes our punishment. I want to give us two pictures to think about. Maybe help this verse come to life a little bit more for us. The first picture is of a letter jacket. I don't know if a letter jacket means anything to you. We had these in our high school that um, people in band, people who were athletes uh, would, would wear these, We wear their jackets. And, and I remember my freshman year, the, the quarterback in our, our high school, he was just this amazing athlete. He Uh, lettered in varsity baseball all four years. He lettered in uh, varsity football all four years. He was the MVP. He was all-conference. He was all-state. He played D1 football. And I remember seeing him walk down the hall with his letter jacket, and it just was decorated with his accomplishments, with his accolades. That everything that he had done was written on his back, and he had his number. And if you didn't know him by his face, you would recognize him by his jacket, by his number. It's what he had earned the so first picture I want you to put in the back of your mind. The second picture is of a prisoner. If you've ever been in prison, if you've ever been to visit someone in prison, you know that prisoners are marked by their clothes. Orange clothes or stripes. Marked by the bars or marked by the handcuffs or marked by the record. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think is wanting us to understand that that Jesus in this very real way, like he steps in and he, he takes our prison clothes and he takes the cuffs and he takes the record and he takes himself and he puts himself behind the bars and he pays for our sin so that the justice of God can be enacted. But here's the deal. We, we all know that, that, that each of us, we, we continue to sin. We continue to perpetuate injustice. We're gonna leave here and we're gonna fall short. We're gonna keep doing that the rest of our lives. Like we're, This is just the reality of being fallen human beings. And Jesus, it, 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 he doesn't just keep taking our place every time we sin. He doesn't just keep going back in the prison until keep taking our record. No, what he did on the cross of Calvary, he paid for the entirety of our sin once and for all. But it's so much more than that. It's not that he just took away our sin. He clothes us in his righteousness. That all the accomplishments, that the perfect life that Jesus lived, the, the perfect righteousness, the perfect connection, the, the way that he treated people and loved people and walked in complete holiness and fairness and justice, he takes that jacket and he puts it on us. So that we're forgiven and we're clothed. So that our past is paid for and we have a new reality. You see, all of us, each of us, without Jesus, there is a distance between us and God. There is an unfamiliarness, if that's a word, with God. There's estrangement from God. But because of Jesus, we can enjoy connection and relationship and forgiveness and righteousness, everything that Jesus had that he imparts to us. I want to give us two things to think about in this text this morning. This one verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. The first is this. You can write this down if you want. Put it in your phone. You don't have to, but it might help you. That that this exchange, Jesus for us, was from God's heart. Verse tells us that, verse 14 tells us that it was Jesus' love for us That's the reason he came. Jesus wasn't forced. He wasn't obligated. It was his choice that he came to earth because he loves us. Listen to that. Let that into your heart and your mind that the creator of the universe did not have his arm twisted. He was not forced into coming to earth and dying for your sin. He wasn't forced to getting behind the bars so that you could go free. There's his deep love for you and his deep love for me. His deep love for every person that has ever, will ever live. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And though we have sinned, his love for us is strong. And his love for us is real. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago and he was telling me about his daughter and he has been estranged from his daughter for a long time. And with tears in his eyes, he just looked at me and he just said, Brandon, I I just want her back. I I just want her back. I don't even have her phone number. I just want to hear her voice. I want to see her face. I want her around the table. I miss her. I want her back. We have to realize that our, our God, the God that is, the God who is real, the God who is in our midst this morning, who is moving among us, who is stirring our hearts and our affections, he didn't just send a delegate and he didn't just send an angel and he didn't send an ambassador. He sent heaven's best. The Father sent the strongest, the wisest, the lovingest, the creator, not the created. And we can come into Marathon Music Works this morning, we can ask all sorts of questions and we can wrestle with all different struggles in the world around us and in the Bible, but we have to see that the God that is sent his son Jesus to die so that we could live. This exchange was from God's heart and this exchange was from God's hand. I love verse 18 and 19, it says, That all this is from God. God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. God took the initiative, he took the first step to change our situation, to change our status. It wasn't our good works, it wasn't our behavior, it wasn't us trying harder, it was his goodness, it was his love, it was his affection, it's that he locked in his love and his devotion to you and he said, I want you. And the most amazing part about this all is that Jesus' death, when he died for us in Calvary, his death didn't end in death. That this is what you expect me to tell you about this morning. This is the reason that we are here. This is a reason that we live. This is a reason that we have hope. Because Jesus died, but Jesus rose. Which means that, that God the Father is not asking us to accept a bunch of truths about some dead guy, He's asking for us to have the openness and the willingness to call out for, to experience for yourself. Not the God who is dead, the God who's alive. And each of us, God has given us this life and he's been so patient with all of us. That's what you see in Second Peter, he says, don't you realize that God's patience has been given to us so that we can come to know him? And you and I, we, we, we get the task of In this life, we are made for so much more than just getting college degrees, finding the perfect someone, having a good job, having children, retiring. We are are made in this life to know Jesus. And each of us has to decide what we will do with that. Some of us, we will choose for, for the rest of our lives to reject him. Not wanting him, not believing in him. And I'm, and I'm not asking you to, to pretend like you believe. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking that you'd be opened. That you wouldn't shut the door. That you'd investigate. That you would listen with the same open ears, same open heart. We can receive him. All week I've been, I've been praying for, for our time together, for our church, for, for this city, for the body of Christ that's gathered all over the world. And I've just been asking God, would, would you help people that don't yet know you to come to know you? He tells us to, to be reconciled to God. It means that, that we have a part to play that... That that God has reconciled us, but but we have to play a part in this too. It's our job to take off the prison clothes. It's our job to take off the cuffs, to let Him have those, and it's our job to be clothed in His righteousness. Now, our good works and our efforts don't do that, but our faith and our participation in the baptism of Jesus, this is what includes us. That we profess, this is what Paul says in Romans, that you profess with your mouth. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe that, that he took my place. I believe that he's not some dead God among many, that he is the only. We go down in the water. We come out. It's Galatians 3, verse 26, that we are clothed in Christ. My prayer has been, God, would you... Help us believe. Would you help that in our heart that is keeping us from seeing? Would you keep it which is in our way? Would you remove that so we can see? My prayer is that for all of us that we'd spend our entire lives being his representatives. Being reconcilers with him. I love that he says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation for those of you who are Christians who are here today do you realize this this means that it's not that that it's not just about you becoming a follower of Jesus that that, that is not the the, the finish line that many of us, we, we, we are so locked in on our own holiness and our own walk with God that, that we have neglected this ministry of reconciliation that you and I as Christians, if you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, this has been given to you. That, that it is our job, it is our joy to go to the world and to tell them our God, is that the, the, the God that exists is not against you. The God that exists is for you. And he loves you and he's come to save you and he's, and he's near you and he wants to forgive you and he wants to clothe you in Christ. And it's our job to tell the world, so be reconciled to God. Know him, experience him, love with him, walk with him, enjoy him. Verse 14, Paul says, Christ's love compels us. For those of us who are Christians, is that true of us? Does Christ's love compel us? I shared last week, That for the past 20 years, since I've been a follower of Jesus, I've continued to miss it over and over again. I've continued to mess up. And yet God has not once moved away from me. That God has never withdrawn his spirit that he promised to give to anyone who turns to Jesus in faith. And I stand up here, not as a preacher, I just stand up here as your friend And I want you to know that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real, and I know him. And I look across this room and I go, man, people in this room, my my wife knows him, and Kenneth and Kimberly, they they know him, and Douglas and Vanessa and Katie and Mark, we know him, and Kate knows him, and and Danielle knows him, and Amos knows him, and and David and Katie know him, and and I'm surrounded with people, Jason and Kim know him, I'm surrounded with with people who, who know Jesus, not a bunch of facts, but who know him. We have been comforted by his presence in the midst of grief and trials. We, we know him. We've seen him. I've seen his power in my own life to remove from me the fear of physical death, to remove the fear deep inside of me of being found out for my past. I know him. He's alive. He's real. I know his realness. He's spoken into my situation, into my life through scripture and through people and through visions. I know him. And I know his love. And you know his love if you're a father of Jesus. His love that makes me want to love others. Especially those who are deep in sin. Especially those who are far from God because I've been there. And I know the feelings. And I also know the light and the healing and the freedom and the joy that comes. Christians, we are to be reconcilers, not just seat sitters on Sunday mornings. This extravagant gift of Jesus. He's alive, he's well, he's lovely, he's powerful Here in just a minute, we're gonna stand, and we're gonna sing. And I just wanna invite you to respond. To move. That some of you this morning, you come here and Because of the the things that are going on in your life or your friend's life or your family's life, you're just so hurting, you're so broken. There's gonna be some men and women in the back. My wife and I'll be back there. Andrew will be back there. Kasha and Nana and Carly and Cyrus and Nicole will be in the back and we'll we'll pray for you. And there's nothing special about our prayers, but, but there's something powerful about when other Christians lay their hands on your shoulders in an appropriate way and just pray for you. And some of you come here this morning and you're so dejected, you're so disappointed, your heart is so far from God and just let us pray for you but you're going to have to take the step. No one's going to make you go to the back. No one's going to make you do this, but I'm just asking you to be reconciled fully. Some of you come here this morning and and you don't believe in Jesus, but something shifted in you this past week, this past month, this morning, and you go, man, I I want to know this God. I just invite you to be reconciled. Give your life to him today. Come to the back. People who are wearing badges, we can help you walk you through this, what it means to be reconciled to God. For the rest of us, we do this every week. We Take the bread, we drink the cup. We're reminded that Jesus died for us, but he rose for us. That we are not the person that we were, that we are a new creation. And I just want to invite you with the people that you came with this morning, I just want to invite you this, to explore this question. Is, is Christ's love compelling you to love God and love people? Is Christ's love compelling you to love God and love people? I love you guys so much. What a joy. The king is risen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Draw us to you. Move in your spirit. Move in your power. Move in your goodness. Um, Call us out of hiding. Call us out of uh, the places that we're scared, places of fear. And God, let us know you in a very real way. God, pour out your spirit. tear, Tear the veil. Pour this Uh, pour your presence and your healing and your mercy into this place. We love you, Jesus. You're alive. You're well. All glory, all honor, all praise to you forever and ever. And your church says together, amen.